Today on CityCast Philly, it's the Friday News Roundup. We're talking about a looming UPS strike and what that could mean for thousands of workers in our region. We'll also discuss what we've learned about the deadly flash flood in Bucks County. It's Friday, July 21st. I'm Trina Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Joining me this week is Lizzie McClellan-Ravitch, workplace reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Hey, Lizzie. Hi, Janae. And Sophia Schmidt covers the environment for WHYY's Plan Philly. Hey, Sophia. Hey, good morning. So for this week's icebreaker, I like to have fun with these icebreakers. Today is National Junk Food Day. And earlier this week, CityCast Philly producer Abby Fritz and I tried some iconic Philly junk food or treats. We tried peanut chews, soft pretzels, water ice, tasty cakes, and peeps, which I can't stand. (laughs) So Sophia and Lizzie, of these types of junk food, which one is your favorite? I mean, I don't have them often, but I'd have to say tasty cakes. Like that is just childhood in in a package, you know, (laughs) takes me right back. Yes. What about for you, Sophia? I'm going to go with water ice, uh, Rita's. I'm a big fan of the like custard with like mango. Gelatis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you said mango. That is my favorite. I love that flavor. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's get into some top news of this week. Lizzie, I want to start with a story you've been following, and that has to do with how thousands of Philly UPS workers are preparing for a possible strike. Tell us more about this story. What are the workers asking for? Yeah, so an interesting thing about this is that it obviously has a a really big Philadelphia connection. There are thousands of of UPS workers in Philadelphia and um, even more if you're looking at the region as a whole. But it's also a national story. And the International uh, Brotherhood of Teamsters are negotiating a new contract with UPS The contract runs out at the end of this month. And that is where, you know, you've been hearing about the potential for a strike. The union members have already agreed that if they don't have a contract um, by the end of this month, then uh, they, they might go on strike. And it's been bubbling up for a while. You know, I was actually reading, um, some coverage from last year in preparation for today. And there was already talk then about, how this this contract negotiation would be coming up in July 2023. And this was going to be a really important time for the Teamsters to make some demands. And, and some of the things they're looking for, you know, in particular right now, what the hangup is, is wages for part-time workers. UPS has a lot of full-time workers, but they have a lot of part-time workers too. Um, more than half of their workforce, from what I've heard, is wow. part-time. And the union wants to see those folks making more per hour than they are now. And the starting wages for those part-time workers in this region are about $15 an hour. And they'd like to see it be higher than that because of the physical toll of these jobs. And especially, you know, the union has been pointing to how hard those folks worked, particularly during the pandemic and how, you know, staff shortages have affected them and they'd like to see, you know, better compensation, particularly for those part-time folks, as well as for everybody. But for those part-timers, that's where the hangup seems to be right now. 
Right. And I know that, you know, the the Teamsters and UPS have been going through some negotiations. What's been UPS's response? You know, UPS has said actually that they are ready to go back to negotiating. Um, They put out a statement yesterday that they're going to go back to the table with the Teamsters and try to reach a deal. In these negotiations, there have been some developments that have come out throughout the process and that there have been some agreements made along the way already. That's a good thing though, right? Right, right. There's clearly some progress being made. One of the big you know, newsworthy items in that respect was that the, the company's going to be upgrading trucks so that they're safer in the heat, getting air conditioning in, in the delivery vehicles so that uh, you know, their workers can work more safely on those hot days. So there has been progress, and the Teamster, both the Teamsters and UPS, has uh, have acknowledged some of those agreements they've reached throughout the process publicly. And and you know, other than that, you know, you have both sides saying that they want to reach a deal, uh, and the Teamsters saying that if they don't have a contract that the members feel good about by August first, then you know, there there might be a work stoppage. Lizzie, if UPS workers decide to do a work stoppage, what could that mean for deliveries in our region? It's been pretty universally agreed upon that if UPS workers go on strike, deliveries are going to be delayed. Of course, there are other providers of these delivery services. FedEx has already come out, however, and said that if there is something slowing down a disruption. They didn't specifically name UPS in the in the statement I saw, but in, if there's an industry disruption, as they put it, their priority is their existing customers. You know, more than half, more than 70% of the U.S. employees of UPS are in the union, they're Teamsters. So deliveries are going to be dis- delayed significantly if all those union members go on strike. UPS has has said in the past that you know they move about 6% of the US gross domestic product each day. So that has ripple effects not just for UPS, not just for people who have ordered packages, you know, that are going to be delivered by UPS, but throughout the economy that could really be felt. Sophia, this week you covered the Bucks County flooding that happened over the weekend. And unfortunately, that flood killed at least five people on Saturday. And you report that this storm dumped roughly a month's worth of rain in just two hours. Tell us more about this particular flash flood. Yeah. So what happened in Bucks County was a thunderstorm, which we see pretty often in the summer, stalled over the area. So it was just sitting there and dumping a lot of rain really, really quickly. So I talked to the local office of the National Weather Service, and they said that the closest gauge they have, um, which is in Washington Crossing, measured more than four inches of rain in just two hours on Saturday afternoon, which is just below the average amount of rain that that area has received for the entire month of July over the last two decades. Mm. And we also know that there is an ongoing search for two young children, a nine-month-old and a two-year-old sibling's who were swept away in this flash flood. Can you just talk about just how dangerous this type of weather can be? 
Yeah, flash flooding is extremely dangerous because it happens really, really quickly. So FEMA defines a flash flood as something that can occur within minutes or hours of heavy rainfall. It can also be a result of like a dam break or a levee failure, which would obviously happen really quickly or um, in, you know, a city where like drains are overflowing or something like that. So in this case, emergency responders have said that the individuals who died didn't drive into the water that the water came like a wall toward their vehicles and they were trapped. And in this case, the kind of epicenter of the disaster was um, a road that was near some creeks. Um, 11 vehicles were trapped and three were swept away. And first responders ended up rescuing 10 people from their cars or from the floodwaters. And like you mentioned, at this point, five people have been found dead. Sophia, have we seen something tragic like this before because of weather because of possibly the impacts of climate change? Yeah, flooding is an increasing risk for Pennsylvania and for a lot of the country because of climate change. So in this case, like I mentioned, the rain fell really, really fast. It was a lot of rain in a short amount of time. And it also fell on ground that was already wet because we've gotten a lot of um, rain in June and early July. So that meant that the ground didn't have any extra, you know, ability to absorb the water. And so what this means in terms of climate change is um, how it works basically is that humans are burning fossil fuels, that's warming up the planet, a warmer atmosphere can hold more water vapor. So when there is a rainstorm, there's more water vapor available to fall. And so scientists have, you know, for a long time known that this could be an impact of a warming world. And they've already started to actually observe an increase in heavy rain like this. And I just want to note, we can't say at this point what role climate change played in this particular rainstorm that occurred in Bucks County, there would need to be like a detailed, it's called an attribution analysis that scientists can do. But this fits into basically a pattern or a trend of an increase in this type of event. So um, scientists have already seen substantial increase in the amount of rain that's falling in just the, you know, very heaviest 1% of rain events across most of the U.S. in the last few decades. But the increase has actually been the biggest in our region in the Northeast. And this trend is expected to continue. But I just want to note humans do have the ability to limit the future increase in heavy rain by moving away from fossil fuels and slashing greenhouse gas emissions as fast as possible. Sophia, and like you mentioned, you talked with climate scientists. Do you have any tips? Did they share any tips on how we can stay safe from rain events like this? Yeah, so there's kind of like three time scales on which we can work here. So um so obviously, you know, we can try to limit future increases in extreme weather by limiting our emissions. We can also build and plan for these disasters. Um and the good news about that is these are decisions that can be made on a local or a regional scale in terms of, you know, limiting the amount of surfaces that we pave that create, you know, fast moving stormwater runoff during rain. We can also build in some capacity for storage of floodwaters. And then on an individual level, there are some sort of best practices to use if you're caught in a flash flood or if you're driving through an area that's flooded. So one thing to do is just, you know, try to be aware of your surroundings, be aware of the weather forecasts, any flash flood watches or warnings, which the National Weather Service puts out. So you can always check the National Weather Service forecast, be aware and 
take those warnings seriously. If you hear them, don't ignore them. You can also, if you live in Philly, you can sign up for the Office of Emergency Management's Ready Philadelphia program, which can send you text messages or emails when there is extreme weather expected. You also want to, you know, evacuate to higher ground if you're in a flood prone area. In flash flooding, you want to try to climb to higher ground on foot rather than try to outrun a flood in your vehicle. This is guidance from FEMA. If necessary, you can try to climb onto a sturdy object. If your vehicle is trapped in rapidly moving water, you want to stay in your vehicle to avoid getting swept away. But if the water is rising inside your vehicle, you want to try to exit and seek refuge on the roof of the vehicle or get to higher ground some other way. And if your vehicle stalls because it's in flood water, you want to leave it immediately and move to higher ground. It's easy to underestimate the ability of water to basically sweep you or your vehicle away. So sure. some tips on that that I actually you know, found surprising is um, just six inches of moving water can knock a human off their feet and sweep them away. Um, and a foot of water can sweep a vehicle, even a big SUV off the road. So really just take moving water, take flood water seriously. Don't try to drive through them, even if you think it's going to be quicker. You know, FEMA has this saying that is pretty easy to remember, which is um, turn around, don't drown. So that's how serious it is. All right. That was Sophia Schmidt, environmental reporter for WHYY's Plan Philly. Thank you so much for those tips. Lizzie McLellan Ravage, workplace reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Thank you both so much for joining me this week on CityCast Philly. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's time for the tip of the week, where we share a life hack for living in Philly. Starting this weekend, some SEPTA regional lines will be temporarily affected by an ongoing station upgrade project called the Southwest Connection Improvement Program. According to SEPTA, in an effort to rebuild mainline infrastructure, the Media Wawa, Wilmington, Newark, and airport lines will be running under special schedules, including no service on the Media Wawa line from the 24th to the 28th of this month. Construction starts July 22nd and is scheduled to be done August 26th. Check out SEPTA.org for the special construction schedules and alternative routes. If you have a tip of the week, we'd love to hear from you too. Call or text us at 215-259-8170. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our lead producer is Laura Benchoff. Our producers are Abby Fritz and Noah Snyderman. Our Hey Philly newsletter editors are Brittany Valentine and Natalia Aldana. Music is by Philly's own Interminable, with additional music from All the Komodos and James Weldon. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Philly. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend and be safe. Bye. Bye.